You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm joined this week by... Matt Handran. Rebecca Valentine. Brendan Sinclair. Chris Ring. And in the words of Aaron Greenberg, it is time to get hyped because we have just watched <laughs> the first gameplay, and I do that in massive air quotes, gameplay of Xbox Series X. Uh, we are recording this immediately in the aftermath of uh, the Inside Xbox episode from last Thursday, so Thursday, May 7th. I say in the aftermath, I mean during, because once they've done the opening 25 minutes of trailers, it's gone into kind of Nintendo Treehouse-style interviews, and I'll be honest, we kind of all tuned out, and we wanted to, wanted to discuss what we've seen. This event, I think, was built up in everyone's heads, particularly mine, um, as the first proper glimpse at the next generation. We've seen the fridge, we've heard the tech specs, we've debated about the name and its pronunciation, we've mocked the logo, but this is the first time we get a sight of what the next generation of console gaming looks like. And it all looked very Xbox, and I don't know what else to say about that. Can you define looking very Xbox? Well, okay, so I'm going off that because um, Chris said that in the Slack channel. For me, what I read from that for Chris, because I I kind of agreed, is it's a lot of, there's a lot of shooting, there's a lot of loud explosions, there's a lot of games that seem to be sent around killing all of the things. Body horror, played a big Body horror, there's some body horror. There's the vast majority of games there were focused on an older, more avid, hardcore audience, which I guess makes sense given the nature of this broadcast and who would have been watching it. That's who that's who you're speaking to at this stage anyway. Yeah, it just didn't it didn't feel very different either from anything that's come before or from even what's already on Xbox One. You could have told me that's like a special Xbox One Direct. As, yeah. you know, as it were, like, you know, here's a bunch of new games coming to Xbox One, and I'd be like, yep, yes they are. Well, I think like, that, but that's like the significant part of it. I, because I think if anyone that was expecting to see much variety beyond, you know, a bit of head bashing and neck stabbing, it's probably, it's probably like wishful thinking when it comes to Xbox, like as the one platform holder that seems less engaged with uh, broadening the audience beyond those sorts of traditional demographics. But I think it's more that how many of those games actually look like they could have been on this generation and how many look like something that were access there was something that we haven't seen yet i think brendan said what was that game made by right the memory Co- infinite Bright, Bright the memory first infinite. one they showed yeah right so that visually you know i mean that that was clearly um whether it was in engine or not it was clearly a, a demo that had, had a lot of finesse done to it you could see the particle effects and all this sort of thing but beyond that, I don't know. I mean, I mean, some of the games are clearly just, you know, the Raw Furies game. They're not going to be pushing an Xbox, the Xbox Series X technical specs, are they? That's that's not what Raw Fury does. And there was there, it was a third party gameplay review. Reveal maybe what we really saw is that no one's really going for that. I mean, is that what we take away from the fact that maybe one or two games that we saw looked like they couldn't just come out on this generation? Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. I think. It, it was sort of weird. It, it was almost, it was very easy to forget that I was watching the first gameplay for the Xbox Series X, right? Like this could have been a trailer of any collection of games whatsoever. And I think it, was, it wasn't helped by the fact that, you know, this is, this is something that they probably maybe would have done at E3 where, you know, yeah, people would have been watching on their computers at home, but um, people also would have been gathered in a theater somewhere with like the absolute highest quality visuals up on their giant screen. And so it might have made a little more more of an impression in that case. But here, just kind of what it was basically just watching some gameplay trailers that looked kind of shiny. And we already have a bunch of gameplay trailers that look kind of shiny. And I'm not sure if my takeaway from this is, well, it's not it's not super helpful to try to show what the differences between generations look like through a showcase with a bunch of trailers like this, or if my takeaway is actually the next generation of gameplay isn't actually going to look all that fundamentally different from what we have now. I can't can't really tell. But also, for me... Uh, cutscene footage is not gameplay. Even though a oh cut, gosh, yeah. but even though a cutscene happens during a game while you are playing it, that to me isn't really gameplay in any useful sense. Not in the way that if you look below the YouTube stream now, YouTube chat is not a place to see reasonable discussion anyway. I grant you that, but there was like a unified where is the gameplay, and the reason is like you can you can say these are in engine, this is in engine footage, or these are from cutscenes within the game, but gameplay is like the part that you actually play, and there was precious little of that, and I, I think that's 
that is something I think that you really need to see to get the measure of what a, a new generation of consoles is capable of. I think the bright, what is it called again? Bright Infinite Shadows or something? What is it? Bright Infinite. Bright, yeah, yeah, right. right. I'll forget that again in two minutes' time. It's a very memorable title. But, uh, but you know, but, but that, 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 that showed you what looked like gameplay. I'm sure, it, you know, I, what was the phrase, Brendan? It was like, you know, based on expected performance of the Xbox Series X, which is, again... Yeah, there was debate. a lot of that disclaimer yeah, being yeah. thrown around. But, like, I think... I, I just didn't really get the feeling that we exited that having seen much actual gameplay in terms of what you would see on your television while you have the pad in your hand and actually inputting into the game and, you know, actually the experience of play. Well, all the, all the gameplay we saw is just clips and snippets of... Yeah, yeah, of, of animations within gameplay, but like probably like. So I'm thinking of the um, uh, the weird platinum Japanesey one. Was it was Scarlet, it, was it Nexus? Scarlet Nexus? Oh. Scarlet Nexus. That's, like that was that showed a lot of kind of combat gameplay moments. But it's the sort of ones where right, you've pressed the button and now here's the cool fancy animation that is technically a cutscene, but it's also sort of gameplay. Like that was most of the gameplay that we got. I wonder if it's because like the last couple of E3s in particular, and I feel like this was. Xbox is certainly guilty of this. We've talked about how um, a lot of the marketing, a lot of the trailers, a lot of the the first glimpses we get of games are CGI trailers. They are CGI trailers, mood setting trailers. You saw uh, certainly last year's game um, E3, or perhaps the year before, you saw naffle in-game gameplay. And I wonder if the, you know, the, the emphasis on you're going to see gameplay was a response to that. But equally, when it's gameplay, that requires the, the sort of gameplay that we want. I mean, certainly with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I was hoping for a proper 10 minute, right, here we are on a hill. Now we go down into a village. We're raiding everyone. Yeah, this wanna, is what the game's going to You want to see like. a mission. That, you want to see something you know, in yeah. the game happening. And there's no but, E3 around the corner to show us this. I'm, I'm surprised no. they didn't do that. I'm really surprised. No, I, and I think that's what we were all hoping for and what we were all expecting, particularly the way they emphasised, right, this is going to show the first gameplay. But that sort of demo takes a lot more time. Is a lot, It's a lot easier to kind of chop, and ch- chop a trailer together to make it look exciting than it is to keep people engaged. I mean, as much as we want to see Assassin's Creed Valhalla, we're all, we're all aware of like Ubisoft's like... Um, their gamer chat over their long gameplay demos when they're doing something like The Division. I think anything like that would have kind of just robbed any kind of momentum of this. The one thing this presentation had was momentum. Blinken, it was done. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just, um... I think that was worked against it, though. Like, I, I, th- oh, yeah. I think the effective E3 presentations have, like, an, an ebb and a flow to the pacing, right? You have the trailers, they're, they're spaced out with, nonsense of people on stage they roll and out you the get car on stage they bring in a dog you get deeper dives <laughs> into the gameplay you get you get hyped up for like oh what are they going to show now they're talking about this this stuff and it could be cool and then they have like montages just like here are a dozen games in 30 seconds and you're going to see something in there that interests you and at the end of it, you're just going to look back and be like, I can't tell you everything that sh- they showed, but I do remember these two or three moments where I was really interested in what was happening. And in this presentation, like the Yakuza Like a Dragon seemed cool. Um, we all had fun with like uh, Scorn and, and whether or not <laughs> like, is that legally infringing on aliens? <laughs> it is. It's it's they need multiple influences I think to make a There's game. There's a they, fine they, line there. They should watch a different movie. Um, I go ahead. Oh, and and this was just kind of like here's. It's the um, I don't know the filler in a really good E3 conference that was all taken out and put together and kind of offered on its own. And I think it it kind of hurt from that context Hmm. yeah i think think there are two things they could two different things they could have done here because i i I feel i mean like you were watching the youtube chat i was watching twitter it seems like kind of the the audience that was very online for this didn't you know receive it very well because of kind of that thing of it being touted as gameplay and then it it sort of wasn't Um, but i think there were like there were two other options they could have gone with here that probably would have made it better i think that if they had just said up front instead of making a big deal because they said gameplay so many times they made such a big deal this is gameplay this is gameplay wow did you see that gameplay we just saw the first ever gameplay just over and over and it just kind of emphasized the fact that i really wasn't 
what I would call gameplay. I think if they had just said up front, hey, we're going to show in-engine footage of some third-party titles, I think mm. people would have tempered their expectations and it probably would have been a little more bearable because, you know, it would have been what we expected. But I also think what they could have done with this entire presentation, they're doing something in July, right, where they're showing their first-party games. This whole... T what 25 minutes of you know little trailers and stuff could have very easily just been stuck in as I like what Brendan said kind of the filler for that or you know on the end of that or whatever and I think it would have honestly been great and it would have you know kept I mean I we obviously haven't seen whatever their first party presentation in July is going to be but I think they could have very easily waited to show us most of this I, I don't feel that I took away anything from this presentation in particular that has made me feel anything new about the Xbox they, I mean so I mean, yeah, I was I was pretty bored. Um, but there's a few things. Like I remember the very vividly the launch of the PS4 and Xbox One. I remember that first year, and PS4's first reveal, which was in New York in February, I think, was rubbish. Um, everyone loved Mark Cerny's voice. That was the thing everyone talked about. And then the press just kept complaining about the fact that we didn't see what the console looked like. And then when we look at go, then when we, on retrospect, when we go to the end of the launch, when we go to the launch of the consoles, and we look back, it looked like PlayStation nailed it, and Xbox didn't. Because the thing is, it's a campaign, right? So what we've seen is part one of I think four um, videos that Xbox going to do. So right now, that list looks like this looks pretty bad. But then who knows? Um, uh, but is that true though? Didn't Sony kind of have no really good games for a year and a half? No, but like it, they didn't nail the launch at all. Like, but that the, the fact that the launch was rubbish was indicative of the games that we ended up seeing for like the first year or so. Yeah, I but think. I mean, the E3 was a good showcase for them, right? And where Xbox had a bit of a bad one. And interestingly, Xbox's opening showcase last time did the opposite to this. They went fully mainstream, and that was a bit of a disaster for them. And they've sort of gone back. Xbox's marketing strategy, marketing strategy with Xbox Series X has been um, has been. A lot, little and often, lots and lots and lots of announcements constantly. Um, I feel like there's, there's suddenly I'm being thrust in another Xbox inside Xbox thing. It's like it's just tons of stuff. Whereas PlayStation's gone the other way. It's very little, um, and every in, and we're waiting for that big drop that's going to come from them. And I don't know which is the right strategy. I mean, a year, six months ago, I was saying that Xbox have nailed it and PlayStation have got it wrong, and now I'm not entirely sure um, because I don't think Xbox is getting necessarily a lot of excitement around these little sort of dull-ish reveals but um um i think what's interesting is that i for the first time properly i thought oh i think we miss e3 i think we miss the ability to go mm. and play these games and the press to show you know footage of it and talk about it and narrate it um maybe ign and, and GameSpot and future who are doing these things maybe that's to come um so maybe there are ways of doing it but i think I think we're starting to see actually what the physical element of E3 actually brought um, to something like this because we just saw a load of trailers well, and we're probably not going to see a lot more. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, def it's definitely the case with the third party, right? Because it's, it's notable that this is the third party stuff. And what's notable about this crop of third party games is actually it's not that exciting. And, and it's sort of, apart from Assassin's Creed, it was absent anything that felt like it had a lot of weight, you know, that could be like a blockbuster, huge hit kind of thing. Which is sort of what you want to see, I suppose, from this sort of stuff. But when you haven't got an E3 to act as a magnet Madden, to... I guess. Well, yeah, Madden. I mean, I, I guess I just do not regard Madden as a product of much interest. But I guess that, that's my personal taste. But without E3... So when everything's online, I mean, if, if Warner Brothers wanted a, wanted to showcase the new Batman game from Rocksteady, let's just say that that's a product that exists... Does it really need to be part of this Xbox showcase? If if it dropped the bat the bat lo the bat logo on its Twitter feed, <laughs> whatever, yeah, the bat logo with, on its Twitter feed with a date and a time the following week, everyone in the press would show up. Everybody on the internet that was interested in that game would find out about it and would turn up. They don't really need to be part of an Xbox showcase. I think the thing that struck me about this showcase was that it was third party games, and even if we set aside the discussion of how interesting they individually looked. I feel like it wasn't that um, exciting a crop of third-party games anyway. Uh, it felt like it was absent some big studios. It felt like it was absent some big publishers. Um, it, it just felt like an incomplete set of what the third party is going to look like on the next generation. Microsoft can deliver that in their first-party stuff because they control it all. But like, where was Activision? Where was, I don't know... Bethesda? Where was anyone else? You know, that it, it felt empty. Or, and when, when you've got... 
I don't know. It, it, it was a good mix of stuff in terms of like the sizes of the companies, but it was absent a kind of a wow factor, apart from one game that was made by a single Chinese developer, apparently. And I'm not sure that's a particularly great look for a third-party next-gen software showcase. The advantage of those big uh, showcases, like, like you're saying, is that you can have games like Bright Memory Infinite, which, so so if the, if I can't remember who the developer behind Bright Memory Infinite is, but uh, if they players. just went on their Twitter... Playism. If Playism just went on their Twitter and posted a logo with a date, they would get people who are, you know, maybe interested in what they're doing, but they wouldn't get... Like, like Batman is a known property. Everyone yeah. is excited about Batman will show up for that. But you don't get the same thing from, you know, something like Playism, no one knows what it is. So the advantage of these kind of big showcases, right, is that you have, you know, Bright Memory Infinite and, it, Bright Memory Infinite and it's bookended by, I don't know, you know, this big game from Activision and this other, you know, big game over here and there's Madden over here. And, you know, so it's, it's kind of in there. So if, you know, people who don't, who are watching E3 or whatever because they are excited generally about games and are there for, you know, a couple specific titles they're looking for they might see that and get very excited about this thing they didn't otherwise know existed and this showcase kind of failed at that because i mean i I guess i guess it succeeded in the sense that everybody already had their attention all on xbox but they were expecting one thing and i feel like maybe there was a little bit of goodwill lost in the sense that if they say they're going to do something like this again people are less likely to turn up for. well i mean if, if if there's only one more gameplay showcase to come and it's the first party one then I don't know. I feel like that that's not the best foot forward to put in terms of third party. And while I, I know that I, I get your point and I completely agree how it's like you can showcase games that wouldn't otherwise get the attention. That's a fringe benefit. But is that by accident or by design on Microsoft's part? I think something that we've heard from publishers is that a lot of them have kind of their own plans on what they want to do around announcements and so on. In the absence of E3, it's kind of atomized and everybody and it, it's, it's a leveling it's a leveling um, effect. You know, my point about Warner Brothers is that they don't need to be part of a big showcase now if they don't want to. Well, no, they can have their own showcase. Warner Brothers, not necessarily, but I mean, if I know, for example, all the companies that are fighting to get into Nintendo Directs, right? They really want to be in those because so many people are watching. Nintendo have a captive audience; it brings a lot of people in. Um, I think there is supposed to be another showcase in June. I'm expecting that to have a bit more third-party games in there. Um, I guess it wasn't that the first party showcase. That's July. Isn't that what I said? Oh, um, right. So um, it's 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 um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Though. I wonder. I have to wonder. Like I'm, I've spoken to people behind the scenes on when they make E3 showcases and games that don't quite make it in. I've heard of stories of developers thinking their game's going to be in it a couple weeks before, and then a week later said, "Oh, now we're pushing it into the into the treehouse, and now we're pushing it into the inside, you know, into the after show bit or the pre show bit, or we're not doing it at all." And I actually. I actually have to wonder if because because they're going to do at four maybe even more constant showcases if that actually means there isn't going to be quite so it's not so much curation do you know what I mean like it's it's the problem when you go from physical to digital right you don't have an audience you have to um you know entertain a short right we've got an hour to enter or an hour and a half to entertain them you've got Put a condensed, perfectly balanced hour and a half. Please, you can chuck out thirty-minute video, chuck out another one, chuck out a forty-five-minute one, and then there's something no. It's like, oh, shall we chuck that game in? Why not? Um, and it's like it, it, there's it's less, there's less of that. I, I, I wonder if there's less craft in um, in creating these sort of videos versus a, a, a proper full-blown press conference. Well, I mean, there, I think there inherently is because a full-blown press conference is a physical show, but I don't think there need be um, a lack of craft in a video presentation. I think it would have taken a lot more coordination and preparation for it to have have had like proper extended like gameplay sections and so on in it. But I think that was just that was not the intention. It it doesn't it didn't feel like an attempt to let people know what gameplay looked like in the next generation. It just felt like a, a forty five minutes of marketing. And I don't but it felt like marketing. It didn't feel like we were being shown something good or rewarding. It's like Here's a bunch of stuff we want to sell you. I mean, that's. I, I don't think any of us particularly enjoyed it very well. And given that the purpose of it of it was to get us hyped, uh, I don't <laughs> think it was done correctly. We're all saying we didn't. We found it a bit boring. So no, obviously I, it has problems. And exactly what those problems are, I guess, is is maybe there's different viewpoints on it. But I don't think it landed the way they intended it to land. I think putting them all into their own little like third party specific uh presentation did a disservice to the publishers i mean it's kind of like why i was upset about like well upset might not be the word of sony skipping e3 because like the e3 presentation is like here's your chance 
to to you know put shine on all your third party publishers efforts or, or a number of them to to take games and put them in between your own huge announcements that you know that you've attracted that huge audience for and to, to kind of you know spread the wealth with your business partners and this they had you know the, the assassin's creed gameplay reveal was like the attraction and i don't think that um i i don't think that the rest of the the lineup really got as much of a benefit as they would have if it were part of that like first party thing in july only just you know sprinkle them uh throughout there and, and i'll notice on third party relations also uh i don't think they said any of these were exclusive in any way i think so. scorn is exclusive that came through Okay. That's that's but, perhaps not the exclusive we were looking for, though. You know, so. It's it's unusual to me <laughs> leading up to you know a uh, console launch against Sony that that there's no the, the differentiating factor that they're pitching right now is smart delivery, and I don't think that's necessarily compelling. I don't I don't think it even stands out really. Like I'm reading Chris's article and it mentions all these games that had the smart delivery thing on it, but I don't. You know, I, I couldn't have told you any of them five minutes after the 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 presentation ended. I mean, a, a lot like of Like, if PR... all these are going to be on PS5, why is anyone going to get excited about an Xbox because of this? Well, a lot of the PR that came through immediately following, plenty of the press releases don't mention PlayStation. But that's likely not because they're not going to be on PlayStation, more just because they don't want to mention PlayStation when they're being part of an Xbox push. They're not saying exclusive, apart from Scorn, from what I can see. I'm not too worried about Xbox at this point, because, as I say, we're in the... I wouldn't say the start of the campaign for the Xbox. We are in the middle of it. So before we start going, oh, you know, I didn't see a lot interesting, or what, what, where's the first parties? You know, and lots of people... Did, I was watching the numbers. There's lots of people tuning into that video. And if you're Curve or Raw Fury, you just had, like, millions of people watching your gameplay reveal, which you wouldn't have got if you just put that out normally. And I think that is cool. I guess, though, the... The thing that I was a bit, I, I, I think we're hitting upon a problem, that, but maybe PlayStation will have as well, is it's not very exciting. Um, and you want people to be excited by the next generation. You want to wonder how do you get people excited when they're not watching these videos on 4K screens, they're watching them on phones and laptops. And, and how do you get them really? I mean, I remember when the Switch was revealed, and although I was a bit concerned about what Nintendo were doing in terms of business, and I was very wrong about that, um, I was very excited as a fan. I could see people you know people the way that it was played and it was very much a oh that's exciting i'm interested in that and there was nothing in this that made me go oh. it was new it was something yeah, different I, I thought it looked cool i think that's my my biggest takeaway from this is it's kind of emphasized to me how not exciting the next generation currently looks like we've we've written before like um Rob Farr, he's done in his columns we've talked about on the podcast how this is going to be kind of the, the subtlest leap from generation to generation and in part that's due to the fact that we've got xbox one x and ps4 pro like kind of that, that mid-generation leap like whenever there's a new generation i always almost travel back in time in my head to previous generations i remember being a teenager and seeing the first gamecube and ps2 and xbox original xbox screenshots oh my god those look incredible that's that's new i've not had that before even like ps3 360 wow that's incredible look you can see the sweat in fight night round three like xbox one was significantly you know bit better than xbox 360 and i know this time round the visuals aren't as big a deal because the visuals have become so much more sophisticated on the current generation it feels like this this generate the next generation is going to be a lot more functional in terms of its distance so faster loading times and hopefully bigger worlds and this that and the other the trouble is none of that comes across here so again today was really built up as this is the first glimpse into the next generation of gameplay and it all looks so very current generation yeah and i think that we're building on what uh, chris was just saying about screens right so how do you get people excited when they're watching on a laptop or on a mobile phone? Now, I've never been to E3, so I've only ever seen anything at E3 on a laptop or a mobile phone. You can definitely get people excited. You just have to show them more than a two-minute long trailer, largely composed of cutscene footage. You're going to get nobody excited that way. I think if you... But the stuff you're talking about, Batch, these quality of life things, loading time, streaming technology, which is to say streaming in the game world rather than streaming you know, as a delivery mechanism... That stuff can be better displayed by an actual five-minute-long gameplay session. You mm. know, they're they're there. You can be pointing things out. This couldn't have happened. That couldn't have happened. This 
I think the industry needs a way of replicating what E3 delivered. And E3 delivered a great deal if you're in the room, granted, but 99.999% of people that watched E3 were not in the room. So the excitement created by E3 has got nothing to do with the screen and everything to do with the way things are delivered. And, and there's no showmanship whatsoever to this. And there's no sense of occasion to this. It was 25 straight minutes back to back of, you know, bite-sized trailers and whether they're your kind of games or not you're still not get, getting the best possible presentation of that and we've only got so many bites of the cherry before the consoles are out and I think what you're saying Chris is correct you know where's the excitement where's the sense of this thing is coming um, the industry needs to do something about that I want to seize on one thing you just said you, you said you know whether these are your kind of games or not I, I want to add that just from you know kind of in the trailers, the weird in-game footage, whatever that was that we saw, it's very difficult to tell if some of these games are my kind of games or not, with the exception of Madden and Dirt, which I know are, you know, two very different things because they're series that already exist. For the most part, all of these could very well be open-world action games, for all I can tell. Like, it's very, very difficult to understand exactly what... I mean, we've talked about this already, but it's difficult to grasp what I'm going to be doing in these games and what makes them interesting and what should make me excited for them to be on an Xbox console. And, and yeah, it's just... This is yeah. weird. I don't know why they well, do I don't this. know why they don't do, you know, like... I've, I remember, so I used to, I don't really like, I've not really enjoyed Nintendo E3 presentations lately, not because I haven't think they're good, but because they tend to focus on one game. There might be a couple of other announcements before and after, but really it's, this is this video is all about Odyssey, this video is all about Smash Brothers. It wasn't so much the case last year, but you tend to get that. And now I'm starting to think that actually that probably is the right way of going about it, right? Properly getting you very excited about the thing they've got coming up they've got coming up soon um and then and then and if if xbox have four or five big games and a bunch of third party ones then maybe it's better to maybe it's time they actually use the space and time they've got and and do a and do a, a and you know do one a week you know to split these games up if you've got 13 games focus on four and then do another four and then just properly go into them if they're if they're worthy of that um i don't know yeah so i I think that's the, it's, a, it's a good point. And it does make me question, you know, how many of these developers, third-party developers, are really trying to push the specs? You know, really, we're talking about, like, is there anything that, like, identifies as impressive and exciting and so on? And the, that game, again, which I've forgotten the name of again, Bright. Bright Memory into it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We'll, we'll write it um, down for you. That looks... That that looked really impressive. That looked like a, a, a kind of a step forward in terms of visual presentation, graphics, physics, that kind of stuff. But like how many of these developers actually do care about that? I mean, I I talked to Avalanche, which is the parent company of Systemic Reaction, about one of the games in their second extinction, which was the dinosaur shooting one. Um, and the thing for them is that's going to be an early access. So that's a PC game. And they're obviously going to... They're obviously going to be making that with a broad range of system requirements in mind because that's what PC is like. You can't make it only for this very, very high level. And they also want to put it on the current gen and the next gen. And I don't actually even know if that's true, but you know what I mean? Like, there's what's in it for anybody. Like, in previous con uh, console generation transitions, I, I sense that there were more third parties with a lot invested in keeping up with that, but I don't really get that this time. The mix of indie and AAA and online, offline, service-based games and single-player, it's all so blurry now. There are not hard lines between anything, so there can't be a hard line between generations. So which third-party developer is going, you know, short of Microsoft poning up a lot of money and saying, just be on our platform, who's actually going to bother doing that? A factor in that is the access that, that developers have. So no one knows a, a first-party platform better than first-party developers. They will, you know, the, the first-party stuff we'll see in July will be significantly leaps and bounds, we hope, ahead of what we saw today because they are the, they are part of the company or connected to the company that is actually building this device. They will know how to get the most out of those specs. 
third parties don't obviously third but unless they have a very direct partnership with uh, with the, the platform holder so to go back to your favorite game bright minute <laughs> bright memory infinite even i can't remember now no i lie that's the limoncello i'm just slurring at this point um bright memory infinite i interviewed that developer um about six months ago i think um and part of the reason he's looked so good is because he, it is as far as I was told, it is a one-man developer. He is uh, an environment artist slash kind of level designer. Like he's he's more in tune with the graphic side of things than necessarily gameplay. But he was pl- playing around with the um, the RTX functionality, the the ray tracing functionality on Nvidia cards, and Nvidia worked directly with him to help him get the most out of that hardware so yes it's one man one man making that game but one man who has immediate direct access to the nvidia team that made the hardware that makes it look so shiny um the vast majority of studios we saw today even i'd even argue like ubisoft won't have quite the same direct access to xbox and xbox experts who can help them get the most out of the um the series x as first party developers obviously or anyone who's almost like second party like if you're not as connected to the platform holder, you won't be able to push the boundaries. And as Matt says, you won't want to because you're on multiple platforms. Yeah, but that's doubly with Xbox anyway, right? Because they want their even their first party games to work on a range of PCs and also the current generation of consoles. So maybe this isn't the third party get third party conference to look for. But even so, it felt a little muted in terms of ambition. And uh, to touch on what Rebecca just said, it's like, I remember quite vividly the last two console transitions. The first one was like the year after I became a journalist. The most recent one was around the time uh, I joined gamesindustry.biz for the first time. So both at significant points in my career, I remember them quite well. Remember on both occasions seeing the first footage from the new games that were coming and just being a a bit like, oh, of course, we're going to be doing mostly the same things that we were doing last generation. You know, neck stabbing and car driving and head stomping and all this sort of stuff. I actually play a lot of those games. That's not even a negative. Um, I just wonder if these these showcases are always doomed to fail a little bit because they are just reminders that the games have been in a set of defined grooves for quite a long time, particularly on the console side. Um, there are there were nods towards the 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 diversity of creativity in the indie scene in this collection you had a raw fury game in there that looks like a exploration based um experience on an island it could be good but that's not going to look next gen ever is it and what did was very much of a piece with what we're already playing and i think that in to my memory and in my experience there's always a little bit of disappointment when that realization sets in i think the next gen like the the features that you were talking about the 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 quick loading and maybe the different haptics on the PlayStation controller like those those things don't sound all that exciting right now but they can make a huge difference like with the uh, the Nintendo Switch Lite or the redesigned Vita and PSPs that were a little bit lighter it's like oh it's 20% lighter that's not like a selling point but when you actually get it in your hands and play with it and like realize you're not going to drop it on your face by mistake anymore. (laughs) Like that is actually kind of a really compelling thing that only becomes clear when you're actually using it, I think. And that's sort of where my hope lies for the PS five and the, the Xbox series X is just that when you, when you sit down with it, the quality of life improvements are convincing enough to do it that switching between games will be like switching between apps on your phone uh something like just that immediate and frictionless and that you'll wonder how you ever put up with you know the the load times of of so many even current gen games for so long but so are we saying then because i think pre in previous podcasts we talked about the next gen a lot obviously because it's been much on our minds this year but in previous podcasts we, we were saying yeah we we want to see the games we want to see the games is this the generation where actually the games are less interesting than the stuff behind the games and over the games the way games are delivered the way they're the way they're streamed how quickly they load and so on and so forth like it's not actually Maybe. anything that can be easily observed even in gameplay it's about the sort of the more holistic side of using a platform 
I mean, even last gen, I wasn't exactly interested in the games. Like, Watch Dogs seemed like it could be kind of cool. And then there was, like, Dead Rising 3 and Rise, Son of Rome. <laughs> and, like, those were kind of the the big things around launch. And, it's good to be reminded that Rise, Son of Rome was once considered a big thing, I think. It it was. <laughs> it was. It looked good. Uh, it's... I, I, I don't know. And even, like... Every, every generation does have that. Like, I was at the PS3 uh, reveal kind of party in um, San Francisco, and, and, like, they showed off Untold Legends for the first time, and that was just disastrous. I was I was at the, the E3 where the, the original Xbox came out, and I was playing Azeric, on the show floor and being like this thing looks terrible and runs at four frames a second this is a disaster but there were always there were always like one or two kind of counter examples you know like you know dead or alive 3 on the original xbox or halo and you you look at that and you're like that's it that is why i am buying this system um things like that and and i've i don't know i, I feel like Maybe I'm getting old and crotchety, but like last generation, certainly, and so far shaping up this generation, I haven't, you know, I haven't kind of had those like, well, clearly this is the game that everyone will buy the system for, even if the game doesn't come out for two years mm. until, you know. Yeah, this generation was GTA 5. Last generation it was GTA 5. I suspect the next generation <laughs> it'll be GTA 5. <laughs> I do wonder, I think, I think it was Matt who was saying this like several minutes ago, um, you know, where, where are the other, where are the big third party publishers? You know, where is Activision? Where, where are all these, you know, bigger names? Um, that's a really good question, actually, are, because th they could be, they could be in one of two places, right? Like they could either be already committed to revealing their games during one of the kind of mixed up showcases with IGN or GameSpot or whatever, or Sony could have gotten them to reveal their games at its event. And I'm kind of curious as to which one of those it is, or if it's a mix of well, the They two. might be at their next Xbox one. Uh, they just might, you know, or they might be going on their own. Um, That'd be a weird choice yeah. to, like, have this third-party showcase be the way it is and then do another third-party showcase that's all the bigger but then maybe, But then maybe that's deliberate because... I, I've talked to enough developers to know that making an E3 demo takes a long time, takes months. Um, you need to dedicate a, t a small team to it and just really hammer it, and it disrupts the whole development of games. Like I think, remember the Bioshock Two team were talking to me about how much they resented having to make an E3 E3 demo because it genuinely caught you know anyway, all of that stuff. Um, E3 is not supposed to be till June, and obviously a lot of this is being done on the fly. So maybe the next showcase is the one where we see demos that were actually scheduled to be made in time for June, sort of last year, uh, which is when they would have had to have been scheduled to be ready. We've seen very, very bite-sized, um, quote-unquote, gameplay trailers for, for this stuff. And in, in a lot of cases, it doesn't serve the games very well. Like, I, I really want to play Vampire the Masquerade 2 Bloodlines or Vampire 2 the Masquerade Bloodlines. The 2 is in there somewhere, but it's, it's indistinct. But I want to play it, but it's not very well served by a one, like a 90 second trailer with Danka Shane in the background. It just, it makes it look like a much more ordinary game than it's likely to be. Uh, I think you need, you need five minutes of that game to really see what it's about and to, to look at the systems and the things that actually sell the game and, and let you know why it's special. Um, but maybe that sort of thing takes enough time to get ready that when everyone in lockdown six to eight weeks ago, there just wasn't enough time to get, to get set for this sort of stuff. Honestly, the game out of that, even though it's not my genre that I'm most excited about, is Bright Memory Infinite because as I was watching all of those quote-unquote gameplay trailers, Bright Memory Infinite probably had the most of what could be considered actual gameplay, and it looked kind of interesting. I mean, there was the usual, you know, shooty-shooty monster things, but then you got in a car and drove away, and it was very seamless, and that that's a very quick and aggressive change in gameplay in this kind of, you know, very lovely environment, and it was very, it was interesting. I was like, oh, well, well show me more of that. What, what happens next? What's going on? And yeah, I... I, I wish I wish I would have seen more of it's that. It's not an accident that that was first. I don't think. Yeah. 
to pick up on something Rebecca said then, um, when do we expect PlayStation 5 to show off their gameplay? Um, I asked that because I, I, I cannot quite remember how or where I heard or read this, but I feel like I, I read or heard today at some point that there's one due by the end of the month and this is why Xbox ran one today to kind of get in there first to get there quick which might explain why it's so disappointing because it might have been thrown together a little quicker than they had planned in order to get there first like do we expect a PlayStation 1 is imminent? Chris what has Uncle, Uncle Jim told you? Uh, <laughs> yes, I haven't heard any well I only heard rumours all I've heard is that I might not want to book my birthday off this year this comes the moment when I we'll when I ask you when your birthday is. Yes, when Chris Dring's birthday is. <laughs> <laughs> We're such a close knit team here on uh, Games of Two. When is your birthday, Chris? Tell us. Uh, no, actually, no, don't because we can cut it out. So <laughs> I've only heard. I'm not. This is just. I've heard rumors. It's all. I like, think so. I've heard that rumor too, but I can't remember if I heard it from you or I if I heard it from right. a different people. I think source. people have talked about it. I don't think. I'm pretty sure I've read yeah. it. Somewhere. Okay. I don't think anyone's yeah. told yeah, I think it. I've heard, I think I've seen that too. I mean, I mean, realistically, to to launch consoles in when we expect they'll be launched they really have to start showing some games now um it makes and particularly with no e3 to to pin it all to it makes sense to do a couple of showcases so there's going to be a lot coming in the next six weeks i think and then you might see a lull of a month and then another round of of hype again um but again i think it it, it is worth coming back to the incessant use of the of the phrase get hyped at the start of this thing and just how difficult it was to leave the thing hyped and and i think actually like assassin's creed might have been the key to that i think if they could have finished strongly on assassin's creed then perhaps but i do wonder how much of it's by accident or or by design uh but with all of these things and to to reference what i was saying about previous console generations i i just wonder whether it's because of how this thing was ex- executed and because of the impossibility of lining up with expectations around something that no one can easily define and what you end up seeing as a result of that right so this is the first glimpse of the next generation of gameplay third party showcase no one really knows what that exactly means so can can what they show ever really deliver it um it, it felt a bit disappointing to me but i don't know if that's more because of the way that the games of market that more because of the way that games are marketed has changed uh, away from depth and more towards sort of sizzle reels over the years or whether it's because the the crop of games wasn't that inspiring I don't really know I Brendan was saying maybe we're all just cynical and there could be something to that you know maybe maybe there are others out there well yeah that's true that's true the (laughs) the least cynical person in the universe is on the team so I just want to say before we wrap up, Matt mentioned the Assassin's Creed thing being disappointing. It was very disappointing because after the initial reveal of that game, when they, by the way, revealed that it was a dual choice between a male and female protagonist by showing the cool lady Viking as a dang figurine and not actually showing any other, like, you know, information about her anywhere else, they had a perfect opportunity to show me a cool lady Viking today during the quote-unquote gameplay. Like, it was set up so perfectly. I was waiting for it. I was like, they're gonna bring in the cool lady Viking. I saw no cool lady Viking today, and I am so disappointed about that. That, again, that really emphasizes, like, how where the marketing priorities lie. Like, we've seen the special edition with the stupid big statue and the steel book and the, the art book and the soundtrack and all the other things that go into the $100 special edition, but we still haven't seen the game itself. James, yep. clearly the Lady Viking is an object to possess and display as a trophy and not <laughs> something to actually be in Ubisoft's eyes. I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely, like, I'm, I'm surprised. But to to back up Rebecca and to distance ourselves slightly from her Brendan cynicism, I am surprised they didn't put her front and center. I you thought know, they the would, because particularly given how well Cassandra went down, Cassandra yeah. in um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah. If you chose like, the the male character in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, your experience was like fifty percent worse than having cho- chosen Cassandra. It's such a great voice performance. It's just way, way better, far, far better. She's the modern-day femshep. Femshep. <laughs> well, mm, femshep. Mm. Uh, that, that, that seems slightly problematic. Yeah, right. James, back, back in back, you remember we used to sit through these things. There's marketing bits. Assassin's Creed is now not going to disappear until release day. They all come. They all, Ubisoft want to show yeah. something else at the next one. They want to reveal something else at the next one. Every single step of the way, they want to show something new. They want to have something else to talk about. So this is just a... Just, um, hopefully, it'll be another beat 
in the in the in the calendar when they get round to revealing it. As I say, I always I always I enjoy doing these sort of podcasts where you sort of react to something, but I almost am very wary that you know three weeks later we might be thinking very differently about it. But well, of course, but you know this is this is offered up for public consumption, yeah. and it's our right to say whether or oh, not. Oh no, no, I wasn't. Job. I wasn't. I'm just. And obviously, wary. we will always get to the end of the marketing process and go. Well, actually, now that we look back on it, like they laid it out in this really intelligent way, but you know what, like. Go read those YouTube comments, man. Like not yeah. not many people were impressed by this one. And actually, I, I think we we can we can fall back on the fact that at the top of the video the entire time was next generation gameplay, and they just didn't they didn't really deliver that. That that's that's a crucial failing. Other stuff may be subjective, but that one's not. I'm perhaps most intrigued that having already forgotten the name Bright Memory Infinite several times during this podcast, how many other game names are we all going to forget in the next three weeks? Well, I mean, I would challenge us all to try and name more than see how many names we can come up with this for a presentation we literally just watched. Scorn, Bright Memory Infinite. Those are my two. Matt's remembered. Dirt 5. medium... I can I can do names. I can't tell you what they are, who did them, or what they're about. Well, who 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 liked what though? I think that that's an interesting thing. I, I, I okay. Let's 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 finish on a positive note then. What, what was our what was our pick? Um, I think I think I'm gonna go, Chris, did you have some burning thing you wanted? No, to I was just going to say we kept talking about next generation gameplay, but aren't all these games coming out on the current generation anyway? So it's like yeah, of course they are. So it's just and and, yeah. and half of them are being made for low spec PCs. That's just the nature of the beast these days, isn't it? So. Let's, let's finish on a positive then. Which game were we vaguely interested or excited in? Um, which, which game will stick out in our head and won't be just cast back to the, the deep recesses of our brain as another, another game we will never, ever think about? Okay, well, I, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I, I would say Yakuza Like a Dragon just because I've played maybe three Yakuza, no, four Yakuza games in my life and I used to really not get on with them, but I just started Yakuza 0 and I think I've, you know, it's like that acquired taste thing like eating an olive when you're like 25 and go oh, actually i really really like these that's just happened to me with yakuza but but just to just to put a bet on something genuine new i i think the medium could be good at what it is trying to be which is to say silent hill a sequel to silent hill 2 circa 2000 and whenever that came out um it's probably it's probably gonna be a very run-of-the-mill survival horror game but they've kind of grown in strength and skill uh Bloober team they they started out with a well a, a very different kind of game that wasn't that well executed but they've they've, they've nailed their colors to the mask with the horror genre and they've gotten slightly better at it over time and this looks like a fairly big bet for them so the medium i'd say out of all of those I would, um, to be positive, I would say there was a lot of new IP here. And I uh, often complain about how little the industry really embraces that. And Microsoft gave a lot of new IP a stage. Um, I'm not sure it really did it all that effectively, but I'm glad that there is a, a maybe a bump in new IP. Uh, I hope that carries out through the rest of the stuff we see for the, the next generation. Um, Still, Yakuza Like a Dragon, the, the known quantity from the established franchise, is, is what really kind of stuck out most to me as something I actually want to play. Yeah, this wasn't, this wasn't really a presentation for me anyway, just genre-wise. I will say that seeing the gameplay for Dirt 5, I made me really want to go play Forza Horizon again. Um, so now, I mean, I mean, I'm sure Dirt will be fine. I can really only handle one racing game at a time. Um, I, I, assume, I, I assume we're going to get a Forza game uh, with the launch or somewhere near the launch of the Series X. And so I'm excited for whatever that is already. It'll probably be the boring um, Forza, though, not the... Not the interesting. Yeah, that's definitely true. The well, they'll they'll surely get Forza Horizon Four next year. Oh, they will, but I don't think that will be this year, though, right? Like eh, Forza, Horizon, Forza Horizon Four yeah. for a start already looks absolutely sensational, even on current gen hardware. I don't, and, yeah, and lots of people play it, and they're adding to it all the time. It's a that's it's so a really good. really tremendous game. So I think yeah. it. Think Yaku- I mean, you're right. Yakuza looked good. I I will be excited for Assassin's Creed when they show me the cool lady Viking. I will. I promise. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if, if I could pick the one that, yeah, Assassin's Creed for me, Vampire the Masquerade, I was mainly going for the one new IP that actually looked like it could could uh, flip my switch. 
I am excited for Series X because um, I think there's a Fable coming and I love Fable and you know me, I love Rare and they've got a new IP coming and they'll probably update Sea of Thieves and um, uh, probably about it, but that's all I need really. Um, but um, I think out of the what I saw today, I'm probably not that interested in any of them, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably <laughs> go with uh, Call of the Sea. It's sort of my thing, mm. maybe. Oh yeah! No, you're right! I Oh, I forgot all about that one! I feel bad it that I forgot about it. It was literally nice. like it was just over an hour ago, <laughs> and you forgot it existed. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. But I read the PR about that. I don't know. It was just sandwiched between a lot of neck stabs and shoots. Yeah. I don't know. I read the PR about that. I, I think it's going to be something similar to like the witness, like one person on an island exploring and solving puzzles and that kind of stuff, but with a a cultish edge. It actually looks really good. Or sounds promising. Anyway. I think for me to, to echo many of you guys, um, Yakuza Like a Dragon is the one that, that stood out for me. I haven't played any Yakuza games. I've heard they're really good. And it kind of grabbed my attention from the beginning because it was, it was of all the trailers, it was the one where you got the best idea of what the story was going to be. Um, you know, gangster man sent to prison because he's loyal to the boss and he comes out and he's betrayed and he's going to be shot. That is like, the okay, plot. Right, That's interested. the plot of every single Yakuza game. They're like, they're like enough, seven. I'm okay with that. But then there seems to be this weird, like, time travel superpower satellite of doom thing going on. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued as to where the hell they're going. Yeah, and like a, ma- a magical um, baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire being yeah, summoned from the so, earth. That, that, yeah, it did seem a bit wackier than other Yakuza games have, which are sort of like the Sopranos in terms of their story. Very overwrought, lots of grown men crying and being very angry at each other and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I th- I th- it, it looked fun. Like, I, I've always kind of viewed, viewed Yakuza as like, almost like um, Shenmue is like really gritty. It, it comes across as like really gritty, really detailed, really slow, really perhaps perhaps boring to some people. This one looked interesting story and weird fun wacky elements i am interested that is all we've got time for then um thank you very much for listening we'll be back next monday with your standard news show talking about the biggest shows uh talking about the biggest stories of the past week you can find all our previous episodes and your podcasting platform of choice and you can get your daily dose of news insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz 